Welcome to the Outside Our Walls podcast for today. Um, this is a podcast for Anchor Church Gilbert. We, we want to make sure that we're not, and I say this, I try and say this every time, but we want to make sure that we're not creating an echo chamber of our own wisdom. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, different people and different perspectives outside of our walls as a church that we can benefit from and we can, I think, have gain clarity from, and we want to make sure we're, we're doing that, which is why this podcast exists. And today I have with us um, Vicki DeMart, who's, who is a um, counselor. Uh, you, are, you are somebody who, ha- who we've known for years, mm-hmm. um, counseled in, in our context. And I'd love for you to just explain this a little bit more. But right, well, right now you work at Redemption Gateway. Um, tell us a little bit about that, but then also some of your history. Well, we've known you, you've worked primarily with women. Is that typically who you work with, women? And um, just give us a little, maybe a little bit of details on what you've done with women over the years, what your background is in terms of education and what you're doing at Redemption, at Redemption Gateway. Yeah, so I started back in like 2010 taking counseling classes through CCEF, it's the Christian Counseling Education Foundation. They have different kind of certificate levels. It's like 13 or 14 classes. And so I just started working my way through those classes. Once I finished, um, I just thought, there's so much more. So I um, decided to go get my master's in counseling from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And so when all was said and done, it was 2015, I graduated with the master's of biblical counseling. Um, was counseling on the lay team at Redemption, uh, but then I started working as a counselor for uh, Biblical Counseling of Arizona in the community, and ton of work with just families, kids, um, mainly women, anxiety, um, and then I kind of got put into this pool of abuse cases and women who were abused, um, and just kind of, yeah, jumped into that pool. Um, and then after working at BCA, I got a job as the counseling director at Redemption Gateway. And that's where I am now, kind of leading the counseling team training, working abuses, marriage counseling, women, kind of the whole thing. Great. And, and um, you have, you, what's your, your bachelor's was from somewhere in the Midwest, right? Yeah. Your bachelor's in? My bachelor's is uh, from the University of Minnesota in, in family social science. Okay. So you have a and that, that's more of a secular degree. So you have a secular degree in family social science. Mm-hmm. Uh, you went to CCEF, then you went and got your master's in counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've, and then you've kind of worked your way to where you are, to where you yeah. are now. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I think I find interesting about that, that I'd love for you to, to talk about is you do have a, um, a mix of backgrounds. T- to be honest, like as I've, as I've come across biblical counselors, I feel like in, in many ways, um, there's a lot of things that they get right. And then there's a number of things that I feel like they miss. So even as you know, you're working for BCA, I'm sure it was great. You'd go at your CCEF mm-hmm. certificates. There was something when we first met you, there was something about uh, how you th- approached counseling that um, was just a little different and in a good way. It wasn't, it wasn't so hard line. It wasn't so um, boxy, I mm-hmm. guess would be a good way to say it. There was, there was something, and I'm assuming that that comes from a little bit of your, your background in family social, sci- family social science, is that what it was? Yeah. Um, as you kind of dealt with that and you walked through some, 
some counseling situations, it wasn't just like take a, take a Bible verse and call me in the morning, which sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes um, biblical counselors can default to. And actually it turns out to be not super helpful um, in my experience as a pastor. Um, Tell me a little bit about how you've thought through that in terms of obviously the Bible, we, you know, we come to it. We talk about it at our church at, at anchor where we're like, pastors use the Bible. Um, we, we bring the Bible to bear. Um, we are general practitioners when it comes to counseling because we, we have a very limited education on that and understanding. And so we, we actually wind up referring out, um, which is how we got to you. Um, mm-hmm. We've referred people to you before you started working at Gateway. You're doing more of the private, private sector, but we, you know, we, we've thought through that. Um, how do you think about marrying those two, like the secular realm of thinking through counseling yeah. and secular meaning not absent God, but secular meaning it's not just biblical counseling. There's something yeah. about, there's something more to be brought to bear. How have you thought about that in your counseling? How, how do you, um, how would you, you know, think, how, how, help us think about it? Yeah. So um, I'll kind of start a little bit back. Um, you know, just even my own personal experience of needing counseling and, um, it struggled with my personal experience story. I had generalized panic disorder. And so I was, people loved me. They were trying to help me. They had great intentions. Um, but the things that they said and the ways that they tried to help just were actually making things worse. Like I was feeling condemned and shamed, even though that's not what they were trying to do. Um, there's judgments on my faith and it was very, very confusing. Um, and so like, as I was going through that experience, it was, I was thinking like, hey, this is God's word, but this isn't God. Um, this isn't bringing life. This isn't, um, you know, and so I think there's, there's deep suffering that scripture speaks to, but we have to do the work. Um, we, we, we have to like know, be students of the person, be students of the word. Um, and those two will come together, but it takes a lot of time. Like, just like we exegete scripture, we want to exegete the person. And so, so that what we do bring, the passages that we do bring um, are relevant, that they make sense, that they, that they are life-giving. But even thinking about the secular, um, in my experience, there, there was a lot of secular people that ha- actually helped me. And whether it was just physical, like, and I think that was actually part of my journey. Like I've, I've seen um, a Chinese traditional doctor, um, homeopathic doctor, psychiatrist, like I just had a, a counselor that was faith-based, um, but all these, all these things and, and being like, what helped and what didn't and why, why didn't it help and why did that help? But a lot of times I think the secular world is more compassionate than the Christian world. And that's a problem. Like that's, that's, um, we, I think we need to look at that. Like, why is that? But I would also say, I believe in God's common grace and to all humanity. And so his image persists in believers and non-believers. And so we can learn from, um, people that don't have a Christian worldview. And so they bring observations that can be helpful, that, that we can, we can interact with and engage with. We don't have to be afraid to do that. That doesn't mean we don't believe in the sufficiency of scripture. Um, it's, it's just God's common grace that he's given um, people wisdom that we can be informed. Um, you think something like the, the DSM, which is the diagnostic manual, it, it um, categorizes things, you know, so like generalized panic disorder or schizophrenia or whatever. And so it gives us these words so we can have a common knowledge, but 
how did that, that book come about was a lot of like research and question asking and observation. Like, so we can, we can utilize that, we can use that. Um, and so it doesn't mean that we always agree with, with the outcome that they're saying, um, but, but a lot of the things that they say actually align with scripture um, and in the human experience. Yeah, that's good. I, I think, um, I think even as you're, as you're talking about that, it, too, too often, I think we can simplify, sim, oversimplify the brain. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember taking, I'm an expert in this because I took one semester of um, psychology and community college. So mm-hmm. I know exactly, I know exactly what I'm talking about here. But I remember, <laughs> I remember one thing that was said that stuck with me um, in, in both in, both in my community college experience. And I actually took a class with David Pallison, but from CCF, but just saying like, we don't understand almost anything about the brain. Like we just don't. Um, so we can understand how to pull a heart apart, like an actual heart apart, you know, not, not like the Christianese, the heart, but like, but like the heart, we can pull it apart and fix some things inside it because we can see inside it and we know how it works with the brain. It's harder because we don't. And um, we're trying, I think people are trying to understand, but that's where medicine can be helpful. And that's where other things can be helpful to help us understand it. And the Bible can come alongside, you know, somebody that's having heart surgery, a pastor comes along and and encourages them, weeps with them, um, cares for them. Similar, Mm -hmm. I think in some ways to somebody that's having panic attacks or schizophrenia or chronic depression or dealing with trauma in the past, you go like, as a pastor, I can come alongside you, but at some point I need someone to help. Someone else needs to come and help because I don't know what's going on in terms of the brain. So I think what you just said is good. And using those two things matters. I think it just matters Mm -hmm. to think through both of those in the same context. And I'm sure that you're using that. I know that as we've interacted with you in the past, like you've, you, I feel like you use those, both of those things in tandem really well, the scriptures to bear, um, but also, also just wisdom from your training, um, your experiences, mm-hmm. um, to try to help, help people, primarily, primarily women, um, that, that I've come help that you've dealt with us with, um, primarily women just to help them think through and untangle parts of their mind. Yeah. Um, there is a marrying of the two. Yeah, there, there totally is in there because we live in a, we live in a tangible world and there's all these things that are influenced, you know, okay, so scripture tells us that we're spiritual beings, that we're physically embodied. Um, so we, we believe and look at the bodily influences that, that can affect uh, moral responses that we, we're socially embedded, like we're, we're in cultures, family cultures, um, just our society, the culture we grew up in, that all impacts um, the way we think, um, our perspectives, that all matters. And so what does, you know, I, I think what does faith look like um, for this person given their their body, their experience, um, their family, culture, society, their strengths, their weaknesses, the ways that they've been sinned against, um, their fears, anxieties, values. Um, and, and also I think this is the most important part, who they believe God is and isn't. Because across the board, I think people actually don't know that God cares. And so now if we jump to asking for a, a faith response or you need to obey, but they don't know God cares, there's, it, it's going to be messy. Mm. Um, so oftentimes we go to the do passages of scripture before we go to who God is. And so people might not know that God cares, that he's near, that he, he will help, he will provide. Um, 
and and he seems distant you know like where is god is he close and he's like no um, do you hear from him no so so for me now to be like hey i'm gonna direct you in in a faith response isn't it, it's better to spend time with knowing god and mm. that his scripture does come to bear um, yeah that's good yeah and i i think so ed Walsh, he's a professor at ccef he's he said whoever understands the person wins the person um, and if you don't get to, if you don't get me, you don't get to direct me. But I think so often we try to direct somebody that, that we don't get and understand. Um, yeah. So we're trying to tell them something that is actually irrelevant um, to, to where they're at. But we think we understand and, and get them. That's good. How would you just, um, I think one of the things that struck me about you, and I, and I know some of the other guys too, as we were kind of first working with you, was that you went you went slower than i think what other people um would have assumed you would have gone or would have wanted you to go mm-hmm. and for me that was an eye opener like i'm just going to to be really just i'll just be really honest in this like i feel like i have made mistakes in counseling um because i didn't have categories it really wasn't until we started talking with you and, and try, you know, trying to read some books or getting to know guys like Chris Moles or listening um, to um, uh, Leslie Vernick and is Leslie Vernick. Yeah. Leslie Vernick. Right. Um, and, and um, just some other people that we're trying to benefit from and dealing with you that I think too quickly to that, to, to Ed Welsh's point, um, we can go up. Oh, okay. Two meetings in, I think I figured this thing out and I'm going to, and I'm going to, um, I'm going to try and pry it open and give it to you. And hopefully we can fix you four or five meetings and we're done. And that can rub people the wrong way sometimes that are, that are in a counseling room that feels like you should, if you don't do that, if you don't do that and you, you're like, Hey, this is a long view. Like we got two to 10 years here of work to be done. Um, that can rub people the wrong way because I don't think it rubs the people that you're counseling the wrong way. It actually helps them. It rubs mm-hmm. people that feel like, this should be done by now. Yeah. And that's just not the way that it works. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like you helped us a lot with that because we thought, oh yeah, people. Yeah, that's right. Like this is people. This isn't a, an equation. Yeah. Um, and so as a pastor, that's to my shame because I feel like over time there's been times where I've just felt like, man, I think I, think I just I was trained to do X, Y, and Z. And if you do X, Y, and Z, then there's, this is the result. And oh, great. Like you move on. Um, and I've learned a lot from you on that. And so thank you for that. I think over the last three, maybe three or three years, maybe I'm just trying to benefit and learn. So I think you do that really well. You, mm-hmm. you embody that with people. And I think if you were to ask the people you've, you've helped, um, they would say exactly the same thing. Uh, just that you get to know them and you care about them. And that's where help kind of comes from that. So um, one of the things that, cause you've, you've dealt a lot, like you said earlier, um, you have had a lot of abuse cases. Um, and I've thought about this over the last number of years in the church, especially in our church circles, which is, which is reformed, um, complementarian, you know, co- so complementarianism for people that are out there, there's a difference between complementarian and egalitarianism. Complementarianism would say, um, like true biblical complementarianism, all, all people, men and women are equal before the Lord, sons and daughters, um, no distinctions, no differences in terms of the person, 
all valued. There's no lesser value, nothing. Um, in terms of in terms of two spots, there'd be a, a distinction in roles, which is in the home and in the local church in a government governing sense from pastors. Um, and so from a complementarian standpoint, we'd both be complementarians. Our churches would be. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things I've thought through about uh, this abuse category in the church, I think in this church setting and church culture, um, you know, we can have what I referred to as, there's probably a better term, but an over-realized complementarianism where people go, hey, the, the husband should be the head of the house, um, should be, you know, leading, leading the family. And therefore, what it becomes is husbands feel like, okay, good. I can say whatever I want and my wife has to listen to me. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to domineer this family. I'm going to domineer this house, especially if you get narcissistic folks or something like that that are just prone to be, be domineering. It gives them a pass if we're not precise and careful with how we define things and how we teach on things. And I'm assuming some of this, because I think, I think a lot of what you're dealing with and what you've dealt with is abuse in the church, emotional abuse, physical abuse. Um, you know, those kinds of categories that can become confusing in the church because sometimes if it's an emotional abusive situation, it's hard to define and, and diagnose and understand unless you can pick out, pick out red flags. Um, one, I'm assuming you agree with all that, 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 that's a, that that's something we have to just continue to teach on and work on and diagnose and see. I know that because I know that's because we've talked about it. But you've you've counseled um, you know women in this category and dealt with dealt with men and even mm-hmm. churches that are just trying to help pastors see through it. Mm-hmm. You know, as you think about that, how can the church do a better job of training, teaching, understanding this to to see it and call it what it is, which is sin? It is not biblical. It is not godly. It is wrong. Um, how can we do a better job of not falling into an over-realized complementarism to serve women in our churches? Yeah, so one of the first thoughts that comes to mind is the male leaders. Um, what, generally speaking, um, I've, I've encountered just even personally is um, hesitation and suspicion towards women. And so, so we're coming, like, like there's even when I graduated with my my degree from seminary. It was very confusing for people. And there's this suspicion. And so when we, when we talk about um, being complementarian, you know, it usually goes to, um, oh, women can't be pastors or women can't preach. And so it's like, oh, okay. But I think what's happened is um, subconsciously, like people aren't necessarily consciously doing this. It's, it's gone to like um, not even re- understanding or thinking that women can bring anything to the theological table. So, so they're, they're not asked. So I think abuse has been um, dominant in the church because we're not listening to half of the image bearer of God. We're not seeking input from half of the image bearer of God, right? Like if we're all created in his image and you have women, you know, and then, you know, even something like emotions, um, women tend generally to be um, more emotional, right? So now we have like we'll start crying. And one of the first things we do when we get emotional, we, we apologize. Like, I'm so sorry. Versus being like, oh, this is something that's important to me. And I can tell that it's important because I'm getting emotional about it. Um, so I think, um, you know, I th- okay, the other part would be um, just in the church, the setup, the structure is, is male pastors lead 
it's content one way. It's, it's teaching, right? Yeah. And so it's hard for there to be a two-way a, a two um, street where um, I believe that everybody brings content to the table and I want their content to be brought to the table and I want to interact. And so who do I learn the most about oppression from? It's those who are oppressed. Um, what, what does faith look like? They're actually in it. And, and so, so when I'm counseling and working with, with a woman that is, has been abused, she is the expert on her life and I am the, the student. And, um, but, I, but I'm a student that has, has training that's equipped that, you know, that, that I'm navigating. I'm not just going in there um, and they're blind. I think one, one fear people have is, oh, she, she's just gonna be enabled. Um, but but there is there is trajectory. Um, so I, I think one thing is is the suspicion that 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 women are often met with suspicion. Um, that there is a, a thought that women are just they just are going to flee and don't want to stay married. <laughs> um, when one hundred percent of the time of the women that I counsel, they want to stay married. They don't they don't want out. They but they also don't want to be um, oppressed, abused, mistreated. They don't want to be afraid of their husband. I think with abuse, it's so nuanced. And so it can be happening in front of us and we don't even know. Um, yeah. And she, you know, I think we, we have these expectations of what, it, what it's going to look like, that it's going to be super visual. So it's really interesting when you're on behind the scenes and then you see the couple sitting in church next to each other and their hand around, right? Like, um, so I think having a category like the, the appearance of godliness, um, that, that's really important. Like there's an appearance of godliness and to be like, we can be duped. If I don't think I can be duped, right? Like it's, yeah. um, if I think I can be duped, then, um, yeah, those are kind of some of the thoughts. Yeah. And the best, and the best, no, it's good. And the best, um, in some ways, and I don't want to, I don't want to over, you can correct anything I'm saying if it's not, but some ways the, the, the people that are, um, that have been trying to hide um, the abuse, like whether that's the, the wife or the husband or whatever it is, they've gotten pretty good at it. Um, and so red flags are so important to catch in the church. Um, I think red flags matter. Like, I, you know, Chris Moles, I think we, when we were talking to him once, I think he said, once you've seen um, one instance of abuse you've seen one because it's all different yep. um, you know physical abuse sometimes can be easier to spot perhaps because you see you see bruises or you see something um, a lot of times what, what we've de dealt with is more of a, the emotional side um, it's harder to see but it's no less it's no less um, harmful and maybe even more so because it is hidden yeah. Um, I think you said that one time and it was, it was really helpful. <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh yeah. And you deal with the, the scars, the scars are emotional, um, which are some of the, are some of the red flags, you know? Yeah. And so I just think as we're looking for that, I think it's important to see them. What would be some of the red flags as you've thought about it, as you've kind of considered, like, as you, and again, we, it's not, it's hard to, it's not one-to-one. -one. There's nothing one-to-one, -one. but just as, you know, as you've thought about it, as you've dealt with them, you're like, oh yeah, these are some red flags I've seen in the past. Yeah, I, I would say anxiety. Um, Cause oftentimes she doesn't even think or know that she's in an oppressive marriage. Um, and that's a scary implication. Um, you know, she doesn't want to believe um, 
that that's the case. Um, but it, it takes, I think, a lot of, of questioning, like like depression, anxiety, like not always, but but I'd want to investigate more and ask more questions. Like, oh, when do you get anxious? Every time his car pulls into the driveway. Oh, when he's getting home from work, like like you're anxious. And um, sometimes even like money, right? Like like you're going out to a coffee and like they're like, oh, I only have three dollars to spend, right? Like there's just this. Um, to them, it's normal stuff that is to them is completely normal that they they're asking, you know, not that that however people do their finances is fine. But when now there's like kind of this control that's not like, so what happens if you need more than $3? Oh, I, I can't right? like, oh, that's, that's interesting. But he just bought yeah. a boat list, friend. you know, <laughs> you know, like, but I think we're not, um, you know, I, one of one of the most stories that I tell that I was talking to some, to a lady in the commons um, just at church and mid-sentence she's gone and I'm like oh that that's weird she would just leave but her husband would be standing over there and kind of like he'd show her the keys and, and she would just leave um, and you know so we're not being like oh abuse you know we're like oh just that that's weird so there's these kind of small things that, that are happening but there's a pattern of control and fear and um, that we have to investigate. Yeah, and, that's good. And the, I think that some people have a have a fear of because obviously, like you said, sometimes that's just the way that they they're, they're trying to save up for something, and they get you know they're trying to be careful with money. It yeah. just means oh maybe it'd be worth a question um, yeah. or something like that. It's not like I want to go. I'm not looking for every single person going. Okay, what are the? Let's see. But I yeah. think that the category, the category yeah. has to be there because we want to love each other as image bearers. We want to be, you know, we're dealing with right now, currently, you know, we have coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Um, We're dealing with questions like, you know, how do we care for the older community? You know, we were all locked down and it's, we want to love our neighbors. What does that look like? Obviously abortion is always an issue. Um, Racism is a huge question mark in our, in our country right now. Abuse in the church in my mind, those are all those are all questions of life. Those are life questions. They're love our neighbor, pro life questions. You know, a consistent pro life ethic includes abortion, womb to the tomb, and I think this falls under that category as well. How do we help image bearers of of God as as women, and how do we just how do we see those things? You know, you're you're going to have times I think in in community groups small groups, everybody calls them, everybody's got a different name for it, mission community is whatever, whatever, yeah. um, where you're going to have some questions on that. Maybe if somebody comes in and goes, oh, that's a question mark. How would you, how would you help us as a church to rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, yeah. but not become um, a friend helper that's actually going to do harm to that relationship like or that marriage or that woman and, and obviously it's not always women sometimes it's flipped yeah you know yeah. it's not just it's not just men to women sometimes it's women but you've dealt with specifically with with women um so how, how can we as a church community come alongside somebody like that because yeah. the goal the goal isn't always this is controversial maybe the goal in a situation like this is not always reconciliation that's right and as mm-hmm. a matter of fact i think the first goal isn't it safety yeah. Um, so how can we, ha- how can we help? What can we do? Yeah, yeah I think that's true. The first goal would be safety and sanity. 
um, because typically when like when there's like separation and she's she's out of the situation or there's more space there's more distance she gets more clarity and um but but yeah i think um if you don't have training yeah like we don't want to operate outside of our competency level and so one one the best thing to do is is to to refer or go to the pastors and and put it on the radar and and then find um help or counselors. There's so many resources that are out there um, online. Like Leslie Vernick has a Conquer program that's online. Um, you know, but it's also to looking at her safety. Like, can she even be alone? Um, can she be on phone calls? You know, I've had to do the WhatsApp with, with people. And um, yeah, so I think believe her and come with the posture of, I don't know and I don't understand. I think the pitfall people fall into is they, they want to direct and tell her what to do. And, and that can be so dangerous. Um, and she's already questioning her own just decisions. And so she'll go from like, right, her husband telling her what to do now to a friend telling her what to do. And so we really haven't helped her. We want, we want to empower her. And sometimes the, the, the start of that is, um, like for me, for example, when I'm working with somebody, I may become, I may be their voice, um, while I'm helping them get their own voice. The trajectory is that they speak for themselves, that they, they have value and that they speak for themselves. Um, but I think the other thing is we've, we've elevated the institution of marriage above the people in the marriage. So people will just be so focused that they stay married, um, but she's, she's over here dying. And it's actually not loving him because he's not being called to change and to love his wife like, like Christ loved the church. You know? And so then we get kind of back to the complementarian um, thing, you know, it's not submission, it's subjugation, where she has to do it, she'll be threatened, there's a consequence. It's not a free willing submission, it's, um, yeah, it, it's subjugation. Yeah. Um, and so misunderstanding of headship and, and submission. Um, so I, I would say for like small group leaders, what has God asked you to do? What can you do? What what can't you do? Um, and what what is your role? What What is within your um, your ability and it may be to pray or it could be um, tangible needs um, believing but yeah I think that the danger is, is assessments judgment on faith not understanding and then kind of realizing like he's probably done a super good job of and people are going to have a hard time believing it he's done a super good job he, he serves in three different ministries and he's at the prayer meetings and he helped my family with this. Like, he can't be that. He can't be that guy or whatever. Yeah, she, you know, and then he said stuff about her. So what ends up happening is there's more sympathy for him. Like, oh, that's really sad. Like, he has a wife that's just anxious and depressed. Yeah, that would be hard, you know. And so now there's this. Um, it's manipulative. Yeah, it, it's manipulative. Like we've been in a couple of cases where you're, you know, you're like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I, I think being being aware. Um, I think not directing the person, but asking questions, coming, that posture of curiosity is huge and saying, I believe you, I love you. How can I help? Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. That, I think that that's a good posture overall. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I believe you. Um, I love you. How can I come alongside you? You, you mentioned earlier helping somebody this is, and I learned this from you and Leslie Vernick, um, as I read, um, especially the end of her her book she's got some appendices but the benevolent rescuer 
I think is everybody's, which is her, you know, her way of saying what you said. Clearly this person can't make their own decisions because they've made terrible decisions, apparently, quote unquote. I'm not saying that that's true, but terrible decisions up to this point to put themselves in this position, to get them out of it, I'm going to come and I'm going to swoop in and I'm going to be their decision maker. And that undermines the actual goal because the, the, the goal is to help her find her voice uh, or, his, or his voice, but for, for your categories, it's been women, her voice and um, to, make, to bring her back to, a, I mean, in, maybe this is overstating it, maybe it's not, to make her a human being again. Yeah. She, this, per, this woman yeah. needs to be a human being again because she's felt like something less than that for a while. We have to get her to the place of being a human. Yeah. Um, and, and she believes and you, that. Like, she believes she's less than human. Yeah, she believes she's less than human. So by me, I might think I'm being really helpful by coming along and saying, I'm going to begin making her decisions for her yeah. because I can make better decisions than she can make. Yeah. What we're actually doing is we're, we're unintentionally taking yeah. the place of the, the husband. You know, we're doing the exact same thing. Our heart's not that, but we can yeah. do that. And that can actually cause more harm in the end because it, it, it reinforces the idea to this woman that she isn't worthy to make her own decisions that she's not she knows she's not smart she's not she doesn't have a voice she can't do those kinds of things um yeah and decisions are for her because there's a lot at risk and so this is the hard part is she would she might want you to make the decision for her like like she actually might be like you tell me what to do and so it's scary for her to be like no like you make the decision and we will support you um because people live in this right wrong like I want to make the right decision, but God isn't a God that's just being like standing over here being like, are you going to make the right decision or not? Right. Oh, you made, you know, like this after this, you know, but that's how people function or think and to be like, he, he cares. And so it's this growing and her making the decision and a lot of her decisions actually might not make sense. And so it, it can be frustrating as a people helper because, um, but she, she's had to do a lot to survive. And when you realize like, she's, like drowning and so the way that you know we start critique you know somebody's drowning and we start critiquing the way that they're drowning and saying that they don't have faith or we're saying just trust or god is in control or whatever and um you know instead instead of being like you're drowning you don't have air um yeah how, how can we help why is it so hard for us to believe women i mean why yeah. why is that hard because I I think it goes back to to Eden if I'm honest mm-hmm. <laughs> you know right like yeah I, it, it goes back to to Eden and 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 it was the woman who took the apple and um you know and then but I would also say the curse the curse is that he will rule over you that's not yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, not, that's not the way that it's meant to be right so like when the ruling over that's a part of the curse that's not what new creation is going to be like. Um, yeah. you know, and like when we were talking earlier, I was just thinking like, how did Christ lead? Um, he led by, by coming underneath and raising those up and, and yeah. sacrificing himself. And he led by dying. So he leads perfectly in the leader's place. Then how did he submit by dying? Yeah. Right. He, submit, he submitted perfectly in our place. And so it's really fascinating when we go to the cross, and, and see that he, he, and nobody, he wasn't forced to, to die on the cross. It was, he willingly chose on his own. Um, he wasn't shamed into it, threatened into it. Um, and, 
yeah, so so it's interesting that he he did both perfectly in the same act. Yeah, that's good. I it's in we we just taught through not too long ago Micah six 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 through eight. Um, you know what is he has shown you, a man? What is good? Mm-hmm. And what the Lord requires of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God, with, with which Jesus embodies fully and perfectly. Um, justice these days, um, we can limit, or at least ha- we, we can think about it as a, ra- as a race issue because it's fresh on our minds with George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and questions about, um, you know, racism, systemic racism, and all these things are swirling around in the church and not just the church, but in politics and and it can divide us. So we can, we can have those, those thoughts in our mind, but justice doing justice is not limited to, or it's not a racial issue. It, the racial issue falls under that category, but justice is, um, I was saying in, I was, as I was researching that sermon, Bruce Waltke, who's an old Testament, um, theologian, professor, commentator said that, you know, the debt paraphrasing here, but the definition of that in the old Testament of justice is, the the um the person in power or the person that has the superior the, in the superior position um lifts up the person the weaker and the oppressed mm-hmm. like lifts lifts that person up and um abuse falls into that category of justice and i think we have to remember that so does so does a litany of things yeah. um you know we we deal with questions of social justice which we can we could t- discuss and and not and get into you know righteousness and all those things that mm-hmm. fall under that category, um, but but when it comes to abuse specifically, this topic, it is that issue. So when a woman comes and says, "I have," I, just as is one of the one of the biggest failures that I remember, you know, people I've had women, a couple at least a couple say, "There's issues here," and I didn't know what to do with them, and this is you know, years ago. Mm-hmm. And so you begin questioning and it doesn't seem like they're, it doesn't seem like they're, they're um, doing well. So yeah. my mind automatically goes to, well, maybe, maybe we have to, is this an issue of, is this a psych psychology? Like, I don't understand it. I think I see those are red flags now, but we mm-hmm. just go to like, I don't, it's hard to believe. We have to convince ourselves to, I want to believe you, or at least have that mindset of if justice matters, yeah, I'm going to come alongside you and weep with you. Yeah. And actually believe you. Yeah. Even if I don't understand it. Yeah. I, I even if I, your experience, even if I don't agree with your conclusion, but it's interesting, the more I enter into somebody's experience and predicament, the, the more I, I, their, their conclusion makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, so initially I, you, I was gonna say, initially you might go, mm, yeah, but, but, but let's talk. Like, let's, let's, let's deal with this some more. What's at risk to, to learn more? What's at risk to believe her? And what's at risk to not believe her? Right. Right. There, there, you know, and I, I think I'm actually thinking more about the question again, about like small group, you know, like, um, and just friends that are trying to help. Oftentimes one thing, you know, kind of going back to the, the direct, directing them, they'll talk about forgiveness. And so they're like, well, you need to forgive you need to forgive and um but but we're, there's not the call for justice and now what's happened is the onus of the the relationship and his behavior is put on her and she's mm-hmm. less than if she doesn't forgive uh, but there's no, we serve a god of justice 
And, and now that actually serves to feed the, the, that's fuel into the cycle for him because he's like, yeah, see, she doesn't even forgive, but there's no call for him to, to love her, um, to stop hurting her. Um, there's no warning going out to him. And what I've seen happen so often, um, in churches is they'll do marriage counseling. So now you have the wife with one or two pastors and the husband. And here, this kind of goes back to the complementarian thing, this over-realized complementarian, where now three men and one woman, all in authority over her. She's at the biggest deficit. Um, and how intimidating that is for her to not have somebody that, you know, like if she cries or she doesn't speak accurately, or she's trying, she's fumbling over her words. Um, she's afraid to talk. If she says anything, she's going to go home and get in trouble, but she can't say that, right? Like they're... Um, Right, like, like there hasn't been this view of like, hey, wait a second, like even just visually, um, that's, not, that's not the kingdom, that's not loving her. Um, but yeah, so forgiveness, but God makes, he's going to make things right. The things that are wrong, he will make right. And um, that makes- and we're so hoping, we're so hoping that he makes them right, yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that as friends and as Christians, we want God to make things right, right now. And sometimes he does. Um, you know, there's, there's been situations I've been involved in that I look at a marriage and I'm just so, it's just encouraging, still hard, still work, um, still, still conversations, but encouraging other ones, less encouraging because we, but because we want to say this should get fixed now, like let the God, God can do this now. But the, the reality is, um, abandonment or ungodly behavior or things like that doesn't equal always what we yeah. want there's responsibility and and if but if our goal is we could talk about this forever vicky i could talk yeah. to you forever on this but if our goal is okay when are we reconciling them like yeah. i remember i remember i had a conversation with somebody once a pastor not it was a, at a different church but we were talking about a situation and we walked through we had been dealing with this with we talked with you and chris moles and so they were getting some asking some help from us as we were talking through it and um we, you know, we walked through all this stuff that we had just, we were trying to learn and understand just to give them categories. You know, Chris Moles has a program for guys. We're saying, do, do this, meet with Vicky. We brought you into, tried to bring you into it. Um, and I remember we got done and there were two of the other elders there. And one of them just said, all right, this sounds great guys. When are we reconciling these two? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't think you heard anything we just said. <laughs> I mean, I mean, reconciliation isn't the primary goal here. It would be great if the Lord did that, but it takes two people for that. It takes the, it takes the, the, the woman wanting to, wanting to have that. And it takes the man radically changing, asking specific forgiveness, seeing, seeing his need to change and grow and taking steps to do that. Like that, that stuff has to happen. And um, otherwise I think we're just not loving each yeah. other yeah and protecting the vulnerable like in that i mean the woman in that situation is vulnerable she is yeah she is the weaker person and justice means we help yes yeah and i always think if i'm gonna err i want to err on the side of the weaker person i want to err on the side of right you know because people are like oh well what if she is lying okay what yes. if she is and i would rather err over here than um than over here and i think that that has been a hard shift and a turn um, you know, because then I think what else has happened is, is women have gone to the church and asked for help, and 
it's pretty much, I'm sorry, that's your lot. Like this is your burden to bear. Yeah. And that just, that's just not who we see God, the, yeah. his character. That's not who God is. Like he's not, um, you know, Matthew 18, you know, like is in church discipline is in there, like calling him to love. Like, and so it's just interesting that that, that that was kind of the, I'm sorry, this is, you just have. Yeah. Um, and we need to do better. I mean, I feel like we just need to do better. I think we haven't done, I know from, I can speak for myself in the past and I'm learning, yeah. um, just haven't done good enough. Like I just haven't been good enough and, yeah. and I haven't seen enough um, or I haven't recognized enough. And so, you know, I, I just, I think we can do better. One of the things I was, go ahead. I was going to say one thing I think that is needed is transformation. Right. And so like, instead of like, okay, that they say married or that there's reconciliation, if there isn't the, the transformation piece, like that's what God is doing. He's making us more and more into the image of Christ. And when we see him, we'll be like him. Um, but we're being sanctified. And so what we should be seeing that play out. Um, or we talk about things in generalities, like repent. People don't know what that means or looks like. And so they, you know, they just think it's this verbal thing. Um, and Hey, I did my part. Now you do your part. You forgive me. I repent, but there is no repentance actually hasn't happened. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. And I think we could talk a lot about repentance. Yeah. Repentance takes repentance, um, godly sorrow as, a, mm-hmm. as opposed to just, I'm sorry, I got caught so many yeah. things, Vicki, like even just languages, language used, and again, this is, I mean, I'm just, I mean, you can spend your whole life trying to figure this stuff out. I remember but, being in a meeting and, and just a ton of pastors at one of the churches and, and they're like, oh, he's repented, he's repented. And I said, okay, so is he, is he thinking differently? You know, repentance means change of thinking, thinking differently. Is he thinking differently about anything? What, what is he thinking differently about? And they're like, well, no, nothing. I don't think he is. And I'm thinking, well, then he didn't repent. Like he may have said, I'm sorry, or I... Um, but if there hasn't been a change of thinking, yeah. Then, and, then. and, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry you feel this way is not repentance. Like I'm, yeah. I'm sorry that you interpreted my yeah. actions this way is not yeah. repentance. Yeah. I see that you're hurt. That's not repentance. It's acknowledging something. Yeah. But that's not repentance. Yeah. Yeah. Repentance is when I, I still think it's not my fault. I'm sorry that you experienced that that way, but that's not my fault. That's still your problem. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. It's like repent. True repentance is when I did this, that was wrong and Mm -hmm. I should not have done that. I see that. Would you forgive me for that? I don't want to be that way. I don't want to treat you that way that I, I didn't, I didn't at the time recognize what that was, but now as I've thought about it and talked with you about it, I see that and that's wrong. Yeah. Not just that time, but then the 50 other times yeah. because there's other things. It's not, and I feel like we can, because, because we're Christians, I think it's the same, it's the same weird thing in a, in a, in a different, totally different category, but maybe this will apply when we go into a biz, Christian business and we assume they're going to give us a deal. Yeah. You know, which is why dealing with Christians sometimes is the worst for business owners because they're like, they're assuming they're going to give me 50% off just because we're Christians. There's like, hey, give me a lot of grace. Give me a lot of something. When we come into a marriage, I think that our temptation is to say, I just want to show grace. Yeah. 
to the, to the person that is, you know, because that's what God's Jesus has done for us. Yeah. He's given us so much grace, which I think the heart's right. Um, the, 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 it, the heart's right half in half of that where yeah. it's wrong is that we're not showing any grace to the woman. The one that's been, yeah. that's been af- right. offended, that's been yeah. uh, abused or oppressed. And not only not showing her grace, but actually shaming her because we're calling her to show grace, but we're not helping her. We're not protecting her. Um, and so she's actually left worse off. Yeah. Which is yeah. so sad. It's sad yeah. and it's wrong. And I feel like I just think we can do better. This is just a learning lesson. Um, there's, I, we could talk for so long, Vicki. <laughs> the times that we've met, I'm like three hours, three hours later. <laughs> what in the world? Um, I love that you're at Redemption Gateway. Um, I love that Luke, um, Luke saw something there that he felt like, Hey, we can, we, Vicki can be a massive benefit here. I also love, and we've benefited from this. We've benefited from redemption from Luke a ton. Luke's, Luke yeah. and Matt, Matthew have been so helpful for us mm-hmm. um, as a church, just, just, uh, just to get started. Um, and to, so, so redemption gateway has wow. been really beneficial for us, mm-hmm. really helpful for us. Um, I love that Luke saw something there that he, he wanted to hire you. I think it's good. I also love we've benefited too, as we've thought through our membership materials, which we were just finishing up when COVID-19 uh-huh. hit. So <laughs> that's in the future. But, but one of the things I love, you see it on the statements of um, beliefs and faith is like, um, they address ab- abuse in theirs, which yeah. I, I, I asked Luke, mm-hmm. hey, do you mind if we borrow this? Borrow means steal. Um, can we, can we, <laughs> he's like, take whatever you want, man. We've, we've got this from the people too, but I just love that that's addressed. Um, I think, that, I think that we just need to do a better job of being a, a church, being churches that yeah. protect the vulnerable and, yeah. um, and call and out sin where it's sin and help, help. Yeah. And I think a big piece of that is education and going to the, the trainings and CCF offers classes on it. Um, yeah get get the training yeah that's good and i know that i know that places like phoenix seminary have Mm -hmm. you know trauma counseling i think Mm -hmm. degrees and just even to help deal with some of that stuff as well because i think that it's you know it's important for us to be educated and to learn so this is one conversation i i guarantee you this isn't going to be the only time i have you on Um, just because i feel like there's so much more to discuss so much more to talk you You've been so helpful for, I mean, you've, you've spoken, people don't know this, um, um, but I want them to, that just, I think a lot of our conversations have shaped with you, me, Aaron, Tyler mm-hmm. have shaped um, our view of counseling mm-hmm. um, and the fact that we won't do a lot of it. We just won't yeah. like as a church, we, we, as pastors won't, yeah. we won't do it. Um, we'll do it in a, in a limited perspective. If someone's needing some help, Oftentimes, if there's, if there's needs that we feel like, hey, the, the Bible is the Bible's sufficient for some things someone's dealing with, I'm disappointed because I didn't get the job. Yeah. Can you help me walk through some? Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, let's talk through that. When you get to certain levels, we're like, we just are not equipped for this. Yeah. Um, we, can't, we can't be equipped for this. We just, it's, we're not qualified. Um, so you've been a massive help in that, massive resource our church has benefited from you though. They might not know it, but I hope they know it now. Um, how can we, how can we hear more from you? How can we benefit more from you? Um, tell us where to find you online. Tell us what, are you doing anything out there that we can be a part of? 
You guys doing anything yeah. with Gateway? Um, yeah, look me up on Facebook. Um, it's just Vicki Deemer. Uh, I'm Chris Moles is coming. We're going to be doing a conference in August. Hopefully that, you know, obviously <laughs> is that right a gateway? When, tell me the dates of that when Chris Moles is coming in. I think it's the week of August 17th. So it'll be like a Tuesday, Wednesday. <clears throat> There's gonna, Yeah. So we'll, as that gets closer, we'll get the details out. But, get the details yeah. out. Okay. It's exciting. I think that there's going to be opening, there'll be a session for just pastors um, in the, the community leaders, um, like a Abuse 101. And right. he's an expert. I've done multiple cases with him and, and you Absolutely. guys. Absolutely. Yeah. So he's amazing. So he's hopefully still going to be coming here in August. Yeah. I, I hope so too. To get that. But um, yeah, the other way, the other resource, if you want to hear more, is just about me, my approach to counseling. Um, it's just a self-published book, One Health Heals, um, that I think probably would resonate more with counselees um, and just okay. the experience of help. But I think even for people helpers, like maybe small group leaders, like what to say and what not to say. Why does saying um, all things work together for good to somebody who's suffering help or not help? Or not, <laughs> oftentimes not helpful. It's a dismissing. <laughs> Yeah, like here's this great, amazing truth, but how can it be being used in a way that, that is flat or doesn't take traction yeah. or is a platitude or minimizes the person? So kind of really talk about stuff like that. Um, so yeah, those are kind yeah. of... That's good. Okay. When help heals, right? Yeah. Yep. And they can find that on Amazon? Yeah. Yep. Um, so grateful for you. Thanks for jumping on here with us. Thanks for talking about these things. Not, not always the easiest discussions to have. Yeah. Um, but I think really important ones. And I think that you, um, you're the person to speak on that. So thanks for joining us. Thanks. Yeah. So thanks everybody. Um, as we think about this, we've, uh, continue to just got work to do, continue to work through this, continue to seek the Lord on it. Thanks for jumping on to outside the walls. Uh, looking forward to looking forward to next time, continue to follow after the Lord, continue to continue to, to seek and to learn and to understand as we continue to go forward and things like this. So looking forward to more conversations. We'll talk to you next time. 